Hi. Thank you for joining me on Black Truth. I am Emlyn Fonyoi and on this episode I revisit the ordeal of rape. My guest has been a victim of rape not once, not twice, not thrice. In fact, you're cordially invited to discover on how many occasions she was raped. You're the engine that makes all things go. My family told me that I was guilty about what happened. I wanted to kill myself. I see your light in the dark, smile in my face when we all know it's hard. I lost a friend to rape, but she is not dead. Sorry to sound ambiguous, but that is how I describe her disconnection from the world, social life, and the joy of living. She has no idea who the rapists were, and I am not well placed to tell if it is better not to know one's abuser. A few people who know about that unfortunate incident think she is being dramatic and slow to get over the trauma. But going by black American actress who has also survived rape, Gabrielle Union, there is no time frame, no amount of pain that one must express for people to understand that one was killed through that act of rape. Let's switch gears and meet my guest. She is a corporate communicator who has briefed not one, not two, but four rapes between the ages of 13 and 19. To avoid weeping gruesome sentiments in her, permit me to narrate Sonia Fokam's story to you. Sonia was attending a family party when her uncle lured and raped her for the first time at 13. Finding it hard to accept the betrayal and to contain the saga within the family, Sonia's parents doubted her story. This strained relations between Sonia and her parents. Then, just when she thought her teacher in a Catholic college was the listening ear she needed, he took advantage of her vulnerability and raped her. There are a number of similarities between renowned black American TV host and rape survivor Oprah Winfrey. Both women were first raped by a relative. They were both raped more than two times in their teens. Now, the difference is Sonia was so courageous that she broke the silence early enough, yet she lacked a supportive family. She wanted to be heard, and a seminarian who visited her school to give motivational talks on how to overcome adversity seemed to be a safe haven. Unfortunately, he raped her too and twisted the story. The last sexual assault was attempted by a Cameroonian filmmaker, but experience they say is the best teacher. So, she successfully stopped him. I had a phone chat with Sonia Fokam and she started by flashing back to the emotions she felt at the time of the first trip, which sparked chaos in the family. I was suddenly destroyed and I was just a child. We didn't understand everything. We didn't understand nothing. Abandoned to herself and we had to fight every day to exist. It was scary and uh, I entered uh, loneliness very early and developed defense mechanism pretty quickly, not necessarily having a choice. And I thought I was the one who had felt dread because my family told me that I was guilty about what happened. So it was very difficult to me and uh, I started to fight uh, with my own demons, with myself and with the other people's opinions. Sonia, according to a popular black American actress and survivor of rape, Gabrielle Union, who vividly narrates her rape experience at 19, in her book, We Are Going to Need More Wine, there is no perfect victim of rape. 
She further explains that people want to validate a victim's story and pain only if the act matches the standard idea they have about where, what time, and how rape has to take place. This manner of analyzing sexual assault is similar to an utterance made by your relative who told you that real victims don't have the courage to speak out. So how did such a statement and many others affect your state of mind? I spent seven years of my life thinking that I shouldn't have gone to this party, even if it was a family party. I spent seven years thinking that people are right to say that I was a teaser. I spent seven years in denial of my innocence. My problems with my father never arranged, but that's not the most important for me. The most important thing uh, to me is that society had to be educated about sexuality and sexual abuse. I wanted to kill myself, not because I wanted to die, but because I needed to be somewhere else. I thought I deserved another chance that life should give me and that God will give me another life. So after seven years of being consumed by regret, resentment, and the rejection of your parents, you found the courage to seek help and move on. What or who do you attribute your healing to? I had the chance to have very good friends who was uh, by my side, who um, talked to me, who accept me as I was. And then I decided to do my psychotherapy out of, how can I say, shame, without being ashamed about judgment of my environment. That's why I'm talking about a good entourage, a person who don't judge you, a person who are there for you, who respect your pains. And this is um, the chance that I had for the healing. Sonia, a lot of women do not know who raped them, but you happen to know all of the men who abused you. Why don't you name and shame them? Of course, it's important to give names, but you know, I'm a survivor. I still have my own weaknesses. I think I have to fight at once. I don't want to be seen as a heroine, but as a person who learns to accept herself. Despite everything, she has been through and takes the step toward reporting violence. There are others women who have the courage to give their names, but I still have a lot of fragility. But I promise you that one day I will, because I'm fighting for that. I'm working myself to give the names of those people. You have over 2,000 people following you on Twitter and retweeting your story as well as countless interviews that you have granted. So maybe these abusers have read or watched your interviews. Have you tried contacting any of them to insult them? Or have they reached out to apologize or threaten you? I'm not at this level anymore. I'm mad at them because they have broken my life and because they are bad people. But today I despise them, so I won't have the time to answer them. They are people who deserve nothing but my contempt. I will sp only speak about them when I finally give the identity. Supposing you were a judge in a court of law, what punishment would you give to someone who has been found guilty of rape? Uh, I think we should firstly see the laws in our country. Um, and I think we should treat rapists as somebody who kills other people, somebody who is a murderer. And um, so if the sentence is that they should go to jail um, during all the, their lives, Fine. How has the bitter experience played out in your sexual life? I had to work on the reprocessing of my body and my sexuality. I did three years of psychotherapy, 
But before, yes, I was often in relationship where I was under the sexual hardship of men. But today is no longer the case. The intervention of a psychologist and a good entourage is essential for healing. It's very essential. Great. In the course of my research, I came across the term first responders of rape. First responder of rape. This is a person, a rape victim first opens up to. Then I thought to myself, wow, Emlyn, you were the first responder to your friend's rape. I remember stooping to the ground and taking her into my arms saying, I am so sorry this had to happen to you. Now I tell myself maybe I should have done more. Now you tell me, numerous girls have opened up to you thanks to your social media campaigns for victims of rape to speak out and seek help. As a first responder of rape, please teach us how to be good first responders of rape. Um, to go trust me, I have two things that I always start by saying, I believe you and you are not guilty. It puts victims in confidence and it is important that the victim has another speech about what he has, uh, she has um, often been told in society. Like, this is very important. These, are, these two sentences are very important when you want to help a survivor. Amazing. Your parents were against you speaking out. Yeah. Your father particularly was worried about how the family would be stigmatized by your story. Gradually, they are coming to terms with your assertion that silence is a weapon against victims. Today, what do such stereotypical parents need to know? I would ask those parents to set your priority. Priority is what we are going to say or let child come in suicide and become the shadow of herself because because of a such cruel gesture. And then I will ask parents to open up more and kiss the pen with your children. Don't let your child alone in that pain. This is what is cruel. It's more cruel than uh, what society will talk about your family or whatever. You know, it's very important to be with your child during this period. This is a very focused point in the healing. What is a pity in our society is, is that our parents themselves has not been educated about sexuality and respect for others. I think that today a comprehensive education of our society is necessary. Uh, those who have conversation with their children, I consider this to be an openness and willingness to document on this subject. As a survivor, please say something to a victim or victims who are still grappling with the trauma. I'll talk about forgiveness. Forgive yourself and accept. It takes time um, depending on who you are. It varies depending on your surroundings, your friends. I really put a major emphasis in, on the victim's entourage and on the choice of her friends and the people in her family with whom she speaks. She can start her therapies again as much as she wants. No one is going to judge her and to try to repair the damage that a criminal has done on her. It takes a lot of time. I consider myself lucky and I still have some remorse. But talking is the first therapy. Talking, crying, but going to the psychologist and choosing the surroundings. Amina, ne pleure pas, Amina, faut parler, Amina.
Have you ever done or said the following? Blamed a victim, trivialized sexual assault, made sexually explicit jokes about someone's anatomy, tolerated sexual harassment, or publicly criticized how a rape victim was dressed where they found themselves or their history. Have you ever defined manhood as dominant and sexually aggressive and womanhood as submissive and sexually passive? Have you by any chance assumed only promiscuous people get raped or refuse to take rape accusations seriously? If you are guilty of any of these examples, then you have in one way or the other been complacent to rape culture. Do you know many rape victims, if not all, stay in the bathroom for hours hoping to wash off the dirt of rape? Rape is neither a male nor a female thing. Neither is any human being born to be raped. Rape is nothing but a blatant offense and nothing whatsoever justifies it. To you who has been a victim, I believe you and your pain is justifiable. It is your choice to speak out, but it is imperative for you to seek help and drag your life back on track. Thank you for your time. If you enjoy the program, kindly share and recommend our link. You can also reach out on my Twitter handle at Emlyn Fonyoy. Until next week, for another intriguing subject, stay safe. <laughs>